Welcome to the Culture Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Walker, along with my co-host and brother, Ernest Childs. We're here to talk about the same old stuff we chop it up about every other day. To be real, we talk about anything, but the aim of this podcast is to have an open discussion about everything. It'll be spiritually based, but in real talk, so you won't have to worry about us sugarcoating the topics. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. And if you don't, well, there's probably somebody somewhere who think you are right. Enjoy the show. This is what it sound like when we roll in the hostile open. All these people, all these drugs that could fit the ocean. They say they can, they say they can't tell me what they smoking. Making waves, making waves, making real commotion. This is what it sound like when we roll in the hostile open. All these people, all You ready to get into it before we just start going off into another random yeah. shit? Yeah, let's just get let's do the original. <laughs> oh fuck. This is probably I'm probably just gonna cut this and put this somewhere else. Oh fuck. Alright. Another episode of the Culture Bros Podcast. It's your host Jordan Walker with my boy again, Martin Hartsfield, back with another episode. Yep. This one's going to be the planned episode for his interview. I want to get one in on him uh, just because he came into the Navy, pretty much a different military. Mm-hmm. It was a different military branch now that he joined before I did. I almost joined the Navy because of him. But the idea of being on a boat kind of like pushed me to the Air Force. Which was probably the right thing for you to do. You no, know, you know. <laughs> but... uh. <laughs> Yeah, and you had joined the Navy, and you got into HVAC. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of like my my main job, I guess, so to speak. Like, I did auxiliaries for the ship, mm-hmm. the whole ship. So I worked on hydraulic systems, air conditioning um, for all the food on board, and then I did small boats like diesel engines and whatnot so i was basically the whole ship's maintenance man for the most part (laughs) i mean i had a bunch of extracurricular things uh that didn't involve that but those were neither here nor there my main thing was maintenance right right actually before we get too deep into that uh tell me about yourself tell the listeners uh we went to high school with each other came from lovejoy all that good stuff clayton county yeah, yeah. Um, born and raised in Clayton County. Damn, born, born in Southern Regional. Shit. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I went to I went to Marl Elementary when I first, you know, when I was first starting to go to school. I went to Marl Elementary. And then I ended up moving to Mundy's Mill area. I went to Mundy's Mill Middle, then I went to Lovejoy. And I think I met you, tenth grade year, most likely ninth or tenth grade year, one of these years. Yeah, one of them. <clears throat> um. Other than that, there's not really much else. I mean, I'm, my mom's Filipino, my dad's black. My mom's a first-generation immigrant. My dad's just black. Yeah, she uh, she really was. I didn't really know what first-generation immigrant was until I pulled up to his house and there were chickens in the backyard. I <laughs> did not expect that. I had never seen no shit like that before. I was just like, oh, he's you know, Asian and black friend, and pulled up and his mom was like Filipino, Filipino, like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's about it, about it. <laughs> 
still is to this day. Hey, good for her. If it's been working, don't fix what ain't broken. Shit, man. I feel like her, like, her accent, her Filipino accent, she's been in America, let's say, <laughs> well over 20 years now. Still thick. And, yeah, it gets thicker as the days go on. It's just like she's trying to hold on to it really hard. <laughs> and I understand why, but it's just you're kind of pressing it here. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That was funny. She was a cool lady. We pulled up. I'm pretty sure we pulled up to your house and we were skipping school. Uh, it was our... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was our senior year, so everybody knew we were skipping school, but yeah. it was just like skipping school, you know, air quotes. Uh, <laughs> so what made you join the Navy out of all the branches? Um, So my dad was in the Navy prior to uh, him getting out and doing things. I personally did not join because of him. I like to tell people that I joined the Navy because my brother joined the Air Force, and I did not want to look like I was following him. <laughs> so I went to go do something else. Is he still in the Air Force? Yeah, he's still in the Air Force. I think um, right now he's in Panama. He's like TUI to Panama or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, the main thing I wanted to do is kind of just be different. So I joined the most different branch because everybody joins the army and the army kind of just yeah and the army was heavy at lovejoy yeah was it sergeant kincaid um, yeah he... uh, i think tyler's mom too was she i never seen her she was like the national guard mm, uh, recruiter the smart decision mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> go go fucking i should that's what i should have did i should have went to do National Guard so I could LARP every month. Yeah. Go LARPing once or <laughs> twice every month. Go pretend to be in the military. <laughs> oh, boy. That's about to be my life. I'm going to have so much <laughs> fun doing it. <laughs> you know what? You know what? It's kind of irritating, like, going to see, like, reserve people. Because they don't know, like, the active duty lifestyle. Not at all. Yet, yet like, every time you get around them, they're like, they're tryhards. Yeah, man, they're super about it for no reason. Yeah, for the listeners that don't know, there's a distinct difference between the reserves, the reserves guard and active duty. Active duty is pretty much your life. It isn't even, you know, a week and a month or even if you're on active orders for this song, if you sign for four years, that is your life. Every aspect of your life is affected. And for the Air Force, I think it might apply to everybody. Article 5 Actually, yes. Article 5 of the UCMJ says, who are we able to prosecute? I'm a MP or security forces in the military, so the policing govern, governing body, but we're mostly security. Whatever. Article 5 tells us who are we or where does um, the UCMJ apply? Everywhere. That's like everywhere. that's the short answer is everywhere. If you're on a plane, a boat, cruise, leave, anything. From your haircut to the way your beards are supposed to be, even though leave beards are very notorious. <laughs> like, you can't escape it. Reserve people, they go wild out, do pretty much anything they want that isn't involved with their duty. And when mm -hmm. they go to work, they play military for like two days a month and then they go back. They deploy a lot more than we do, which is kind of weird, but... Overall, working with them is kind of a headache. It's like having the weekend crew come into your work section and 
pretend like they know everything that's going on and yeah they're the ones in the back talking craps oh well the people that work during the days they just don't know how to clean or we they easily could have done this easy they're kind of those people (laughs) but it's about i'm about to be one of those people so yeah it'll be a little it'll be a little different for you because you already know so yeah i'm seven years in the shits at this point yeah you'll kind of not give a fuck no not at all I'll let them do their thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, as far as me joining the Navy, I kind of just wanted to be different. It was more appealing to me because it was either the Marines or the Navy. Dude, boy, I'm uh, so I'd... happy you didn't join the Marines. <laughs> yeah, if I joined the Marines, like, it was kind of like I wanted to go be infantry for some dumbass reason. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it sounds cool before you do it. And then yeah, once they, you're in, you realize why did I do this? Yeah. And um, when I joined the Navy, the first thing I wanted to be was like an aircraft or, or air traffic control. So that's what I wanted to do. But either one, I was too dumb or two, I was too blind. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing, uh, the next thing I did was kind of just working with my hands. And I I fell into pause. Continue. Pause. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I fell into like the position of my whole job was like called it was called machinist mate. Uh, what I originally joined as was an engine man. Mm-hmm. Um, and the those two jobs kind of merged into one. Yeah. So like the engine engine men's are mainly diesel engines, uh, small boats and stuff like that. They go out with the SEAL teams or, yeah, all the river on stuff. And the machinist mates are now on the ship. So now they do all the all the auxiliaries, like I was saying, the refrigeration, steering for the ships. They do small boats too. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I would have, my next duty station when I was, if I would have reenlisted, would have been, I think, with SEAL Team 1 or some shit like that. But... That's not necessarily something I wanted to do. <laughs> so Yeah, to people listening, that sounds cool and badass. If that's the stuff you want to do, go for it. Try it out. I'm not going to sit here and tell people what to do and what not to do with their life. But, word. Um, so how was, how'd you like the Navy overall, just like as a body? Uh, The Navy as a whole, like, I don't regret joining the Navy. That's what you're asking. <laughs> uh, my experience, um, my experience is probably different from yours. Obviously, um, I love, I loved what I do. Uh, as I look back at like memories of me traveling and learning things as far as work goes, I got a new skill out of it. I, I liked it. Uh, the people were kind of trash at times, but that's really hit or miss. Yeah, that's just the world. Uh, Navy military in general is really political. Very. So it's, it was it was really rough trying to navigate through that because getting paid is like an E three. Just rising through the ranks, getting paid the same as somebody next to you, and they're doing so much more than you, or they have so much power over you, or something like that. It's something weird to look at, and the fact that you're kind of tied to them constitutionally. They can pretty much do anything they want to you. Uh, like, there would be times where I would go on the ship at four in the morning and not get off 
and go home until 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah. Something like that. So it was just, it wasn't for me. That's what I found out. I didn't go on with the intentions on staying for 20 years, but I found out really quick that it actually <laughs> wasn't for me. Yeah, that's kind of my situation. Security forces are, I don't know how the other uh, MAs or MPs in different branches work, but our schedule changes so much. Like, the worst schedule I was in was in Alaska in 2015 when ISIS first started popping off. And big word came from big Air Force that told all the units uh, some type of security posture has to change. And which put everybody, every installation, no matter where you go at this point, is Epicon Bravo. Epicon mm-hmm. is the force protection. I'm not going to tell people what the definition is. Google it. But it pretty much tells people the posture of what we do. And yeah. everybody went into Bravo. Alpha kind of just doesn't exist. And the thing is, is Bravo is just an increased version of Alpha. But my base lost their fucking mind. We completely changed our schedule. We were working a four and two eights to going into a four and two twelves. Oof. Yeah. So we went from working about 48 to 52 hours a week to working 68 to 72 hours a week in a snap of a finger. We just showed up to work one day and they were like, Hey, you're here for an extra four hours and you're still working the same amount of days. And that climate got so bad because none of us were well rested it's mm-hmm. hard to catch like a good sleep tempo without drugging yourself on melatonin or uh, what? It, yeah, it is melatonin. Yeah, melatonin. just just chewing like fifteen milligrams of that at night, just trying, hoping you can go to sleep on time. <laughs> and yeah. you know, if it doesn't hit at the right time, you mess around and go to work, and then it hits when you're in the vehicle. And God forbid if you fall asleep with a gun, even though you could go to work and tell them I only slept for three hours. They'll say some like, oh, it depends on the leadership. Some leadership is understanding. But mm-hmm. like Martin said, there's shitty people that you run into every now and then. And they'll say, oh, well. More times than none. Yeah, like you should have known better. You should have told somebody. Like you put me in a vehicle by myself, told me to look at that plane on the fourth day of 12 hours. <laughs> and really they're 12 to 14 hour shifts because you got to get your gun. You got to do the brief before you go to work. You got to travel to wherever post you're at. And then you got to do all that again when you leave. But mm-hmm. that's semantics. I went to another base and things were a complete 180. Leadership actually cared. They no. didn't put us in screwed schedules. For the most part, they let us manage our own. If there isn't a problem that they can notice, they're not going to go digging for one. They trust the NCOs and senior NCOs to do their job that they're paid for. Even the officers trust us to do it, which if I would have just stayed yeah. in my first base, I would have never ran anything like that. So there's the good and the bad. I just tell people come in with an open mindset and very, be very flexible if you join a job that doesn't have office hours. If, yeah. Because shit, as soon, pretty much the the way of the world... The way it is depends on your work hours. If people in Syria start popping off a whole lot more than normal, if you're anywhere near Syria, it's probably going to change your work hours. Mm -hmm. And it's not just you. A lot of people complain when they're at work. Oh, this base sucks. I don't know why we had to change our hours to this. It's not just your base. Every a lot of bases or a lot of, you know, uh, forts. A lot of military installations are affected by it, but 
Yeah. Military ain't the worst, but uh, active du- active duty is not for me. I need to get paid. <laughs> I need to get paid more money. If I'm working seventy two hours yeah, a week man. and I'm getting three thousand dollars every two weeks, I need to get paid the right amount of money. I'll work with it. Like, I think the biggest thing with the military is like leadership. Yeah. Like leadership, the way leadership is, like if it's really good, your experience will be really great. Because when I first joined, when I got to my first ship, the captain of the ship. Uh, the ship I was on was a destroyer, um, so it's small. The aircraft carriers are huge. I think the aircraft carriers have 4,000 people on them or something like that. The destroyer I was on had a crew of 300. So hmm. the captain knew everybody on a first, like not a first-name basis, but he knew everybody by their face because normally the captain or whoever is in charge of your base probably not going to fuck with you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh so the first captain we had, he was really cool. Everybody was about it. And a fun fact about the ships is if you go to see a naval ship and the anchor is gold, like they paint the anchor gold, if the retention on that ship is really high. So hmm. if everybody on that ship's re-enlisting, if everybody on that ship is like wanting to extend on that boat, because you can extend, like say you have a three-year contract. Yeah, you, there. Ext- you we have like 48 months total of extensions. Mm-hmm. And you're going to send, if everybody wants to do that, they'll paint the anchor gold. If not, they'll paint it uh, gray. And halfway through my time there. It turned gray. <laughs> was when, yeah, it turned gray because <laughs> we, switched, we switched captains. So how it works is the, there's the CO and then there's the XO. So the CO does like a two-year um, two year tour on a boat. There's two years. And once he leaves, the XO turns into the captain. So the XO has the most power after the captain leaves. It's kind of like if the if the president gets killed, the vice president comes up. And that's just how it naturally like, works. Like the vice always turns into the executive. Yeah. And Sorry. once that switch happened, everything just went to shit. <laughs> um, and a lot of people, including myself, did not want to stay on that boat at all. So it's always we got turned they turned that uh I remember the day they started painting that shit gray too, and it was funny as shit to me. <laughs> but yeah, that's really like a slap in the face to whatever the CEO is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's up to them though. Leaders really do make the difference when it comes to installations, and how much they care or how much they do really does affect everybody. I don't know if every commander, every CEO, or like knows that but a lot of people will look to them whenever or honestly not look for them sometimes because sometimes if they're overactive and everything that's going on it starts to get Mm -hmm. annoying because if you're around all the time all the little things that may go wrong within any station any unit like little things are typically going to go wrong that we generally manage and just fix throughout time but if they're always around and they're just always critiquing everything and they just want to micromanage small things or if they don't like the way a process was being done before. And the biggest issue is when they make a decision and it doesn't feel like they consulted the enlisted leaders at all. That's when things start to go downhill because the enlisted leaders are the the enlisted members are the people who are actually doing most of the hard work or the mm-hmm. or the manual labor. We do a lot of the manual labor. Officers do a lot of the logistics, a lot of the paperwork, the behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. kind of stuff. 
They're the brains of the car. We're the engine of the car. The engine can keep going without the brains of the car, without a computer. But a car's mm-hmm. not going to run without an engine. And if you make that engine shit, it, you, you, it's going to be real quick to notice. And that's kind of how the military works in general. And yeah. all it does take is one person in a seat that's too high to you know, make that engine fuck up. But overall... Yeah, I think my sentiments about the military is just about the same as yours. Depending on the leadership, it can be a really good time. And as soon as that person goes, you'll know. Goes to shit. Yeah. I enjoyed my time, though. Had a lot of fun times. Had a lot of bad times. But hey. uh, definitely got some stories to tell my kid. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I got some stories that I probably won't tell my kid. But uh, Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. Uh, so what's uh, I you know, uh, real real quick. I yeah. thought uh, my dad was in the navy, so he didn't always tell us this growing up. But like, as I got older, like my teenage years, it'd be funny because I would ask him about being in the navy or whatnot. And uh, while I was in the navy and I was traveling, he'd be like, you know, if you see somebody in Thailand or somebody <laughs> that looks just like you, <laughs> just walk the other way. <laughs> I didn't see anybody that looks like me, but I I understand like exactly why he said it, and it's just hilarious to me. So. Yeah, the shenanigans that go on in other countries. Yeah. I'm not going to get too deep into that. but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it's a fun time. There's a lot of fun times that can happen in the military. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so what um what certs are important to have if you want to go HVAC that translate to the outside that aren't just military stuff? Um. Well... If you're going to get your HVAC certification in the military, I think this goes across all branches. Yes. Uh, you have to. Kind of like OSHA. You have to get like, yeah, you have to get like your OSHA. You have to get your EPA certification. Mm-hmm. So any school you go to for that in the military automatically transfers over. Oh, that's so dope. You kind of, yeah, you kind of pretty much got it in the bag as soon as you do that. But the way military training is, it's super like fast paced. Mm-hmm. So like my, my school for that was three months long. The school for the same exact thing in the civilian world is 18 months long. Okay. Um, so they, those guys know a little more than I did because I worked on the ship and I had the same piece of equipment every day. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a learning curve when I got out of the military and joined like HVAC or whatnot, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad at all. Application skills were pretty much the same. You just had to apply it to whatever you were doing. Yeah. And, um, any school in the military, really, if you look, because you can look up these schools before you go to them or you request them, mm-hmm. you can look to see if they actually translate to the real world. Like, I did that with multiple. I have, I say I have a collective of, like, two and a half years of me being in the military. Like, I had a four-year contract. Two and a half years of that time, I was actually in school because I was always requesting new schools or whatnot. Oh, that's cool. And I have, like... A small like small boat certification, like motor certification. I have a lot of shit. I'm a first class swim qualification. Like I can go out here and be a lifeguard and shit. Uh, I just have shit just just because. <laughs> <laughs> but I made sure they all trans transferred over to the real world. Yeah. Because just people get fucked like that, man. There's a reason why these there's a lot of veterans that are homeless right now. Yeah, that's something else. 
that's something I see a lot. At first, before we joined, we never really knew why there were so many veterans. And once you join, you realize it's kind of uh, it's kind of an effect where the military does so much for you. Like they handle your health. They never you never have to handle your health care. You never have to handle your finances for the most part, unless you just spend mm-hmm. all your money. You never have to worry about where you're gonna stay. All that stuff is generally done without you ever touching your check in the first place and then when you get out and you realize oh shit like i'm over 25 i don't qualify for my mom's health insurance anymore i gotta apply Mm -hmm. for health insurance i've never applied for health insurance this is a lot of things that and i the military's trying to change the way that they you know let people out to prepare them a little bit more like they make us write Mm -hmm. a resume before we get out yeah, they had us do that too. But uh, the other thing to that, like we had guys, like we have guys who, whenever a ship pulls out, they're the guys that maneuver the boat. Yeah. You know, we're talking like multi-million dollar ship, and they're maneuvering the shit through real tight quarters. Yeah. Trying to get out to the open ocean and shit. But these guys do not get any certifications for that. So nothing for that transfers over to the real world. Mm-hmm. And once they get out, the only skill that they got to show for it is that they did. You're a traffic guard pretty much. Yeah. And nobody's like, they're not qualified for shit. They have no real, real job experience. So nobody's really going to hire them like that unless they're fucking with like veterans. Yeah. And but. people just think being in the military in general is going to get you a plethora of jobs and a little advice for people that are still in the military. If you want to know if your job translates well to the outside, sign up and get an indeed account, uh, indeed or a LinkedIn account. You don't really mm-hmm. even need an account to use these things, but having one is a good start. Look in your local area that you want to move to and see what jobs they're hiring. And you'll see what is actually needed for the most part, like computer jobs are needed. A lot of computer mm-hmm. admin uh, business administration is a pretty good cover off. Anybody wants to go to school to do anything. It's a general degree yeah. that a lot of people get, but it's because a lot of jobs need a business administration degree. If they're going to let you do any of their board meetings, yeah. it's a quick way to get an understanding. If you're close to getting out or if you're within honestly two years of getting out, you could really tailor fit your background. Since a lot of stuff in the military is free, our training is free. Mm-hmm. get it while you're still in and look to see what the economy is looking for before you just start making decisions. Yeah. The biggest thing I would always tell like my junior enlisted guys, um, as I was getting out, I'd be like, Hey, set yourself up to stay in, but also prepare to get out. Yeah. Because the like a lot of people don't like the people I was talking about who don't have the qualifications they also don't know that they can go request school, certain schools in their job to get qualifications. So as long as they know that they can get these qualifications or whatnot and go to these schools, then they'll have a better chance if they get out. A lot of people don't know these things because a lot of people aren't told them yeah. or don't care. They just see this face value of whatever job they're doing they're stuck on a boat for too long or they're stuck at a gate scanning cars for too long, think the world sucks and this is it. When in reality, a lot of our jobs are so remedially simple. The fact that we're getting mm-hmm. paid for it is amazing. But mm-hmm. and you ha- yeah, we had guys out we had guys out there who would just literally paint the ship. Every time we pull in a port or something on deployment, 
Mm-hmm. They would, the first thing they would do is pull out, hang off the side of the boat, and paint it gray. <laughs> like it's just stuff like that, and you, we have a lot more free time. But trying to get everybody to understand how valuable free time is, if you have assets that could get you better things. Being in the military is is an enable it's an enabler for lazy people and it's yeah. an enhancer for productive people. It's yeah, a really weird. Well, you gotta look at it like this: lazy people, man. Like you get paid every two weeks, yeah, to do the same shit. And what are they, you can't get fired for the most part. You yeah, cannot en- get fired enlisted people is really hard. Don't try to get fired, but it's. <laughs> It's really hard to get fired in the military. You cannot get fired. So all you have to do is the bare minimum, and you're always going to get get a check. And eventually, you're going to get promoted. So Oh, the Air Force is different. We After E4, we test for everything. Like, our rank is... The Air Force is a pettier way if anybody does want to join the Air Force. Making rank is harder. Up to E4 well, from, is hard. In the Navy, from E3 up, we test too. Like from from E three to E four, that's when you take the test, and so on and so forth. Uh, it gets a little harder there, but it's not that hard. As you know, yeah, passing the t- I didn't think it was that hard. Yeah, passing the t- it depends on what career field you're in in the Air Force because we have very specific jobs. Like my job is mm-hmm. security. That is all I will ever do. If you're an electrician, they have a little bit more of flexibility of what type of like what they're gonna work on. But in general, you're going to stick to one thing at a base. They're not going to try to shuffle you around too much. And the bad thing about my career field when we test for promotion is my career field involves law enforcement, normal security, nuclear security, canine handling, uh, CADM, which is uh, the um, gun range that qualifies everybody. Yeah. We have ravens. We have ravens are uh, presidential or political security that flies around with people. They're airborne security, pretty much. There's a lot of yeah, different facets are... of our job, and we have to know something about all of them. It... That's pretty. The testing requirements are pretty similar to the Navy, because um, my job, like I said, for the destroyer, I had a certain amount of equipment that I worked on, uh, but our test would be it wouldn't just be destroyer based it would be you know equipment on aircraft carriers equipment equipment on submarines yeah stuff you may have never even touched a day in your life mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's about the it's about the same for the for both of them yeah it, we also went off of the percentage of people that were eligible yeah to, to promote yeah we did so. we did that too it's not terribly hard for the air force if you're a good test taker you shouldn't have too much of a problem with it. But if you think you could just blow off like trying to learn from anything, like if you've never been at a nuke base, there's some real weird things about nuke bases that you'll see the question, just think, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> but whatever. Um, yeah. Word, word. So, next question. Uh, how was separating from the Navy? With the family and all that good stuff. Separating from the Navy was pretty easy, I guess, for the most part. A lot of people will help you stay in the military. Yeah, but nobody will really help you get out, man. <laughs> Not at all. As soon as you tell people you want to get out there, you're dead to them. <laughs> it's it's bad, but I had it pretty 
pretty easy, I guess, because I didn't have to do much. I just had to go check out, go to medical, get checked out. Yeah. Um, I didn't worry about looking for a job or whatnot, because when I first got out, I went straight to school. I went to college full time when I first got out. That's which was kind of a mistake, <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> Because everybody I was in class with was, yeah. they were all fresh out of high school, man. Bruh, I'm about to go on this. I'm about to go on this <laughs> shit at 25 with these guys. That's exa- bro. I'm about to be 20. I was in there. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Because <laughs> these kids, they were like, they were complaining, and I can't fault them for it because they don't really, they didn't, they didn't really know experience anything. anything else. Yeah, but me looking at it, I'm like, yo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Just being old. I'm just in the class being old. That's all it was. It was kind of, it was kind of weird. There was definitely an adjustment period for me getting out too. You know, coming from being active duty and going to work every day and having to listen to this person and that person. You know, wake up at six o'clock, eat breakfast at six thirty, eat lunch at ten, eat dinner at fucking sixteen hundred or something stupid like that. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, getting out, when I first got out, I would say it was a mild depression, kind of, because I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, like, there's so much more free, it's like if you're on leave for too long, you kind of get in a weird funk, like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, now I don't necessarily deal with that too much, because I kind of caught my stride, and kind of just do whatever. Yeah. But getting out was kind of me being able to get back to my family because when my daughter was born, I was only there with her for a month because she was born in San Diego and my wife was stationed in San Diego too. My wife was in the Navy too. That's where we, we met on the same ship. She's still in the Navy? No, she got out last year, January. Okay. Last January? Yeah, last January. Um, and she was stationed in San Diego. We were both stationed in San Diego. Once my daughter was born, my ship switched home ports from San Diego to Washington State. Hmm. So I only spent a month with her before we moved to Washington State. And when I got out, she was a year a year old, year and a half old. Damn, so she walking and already? Pretty much. I missed all that shit, man. Every time I would go back and see her, like I would visit periodically during that time frame. She would not know who the fuck I was. <laughs> and that shit would suck. So that kind of motivated me to get out. But it was cool because once we got back together, I had to learn because my wife was doing it pretty much by herself the whole time. Yeah. Even though I was, like, she wasn't a single mom yeah, per se, but she kind of was because I wasn't there. And um, I had to learn how to kind of be a dad. And my daughter had to learn how to be with a dad and shit like that. So it was cool. It was it was definitely an adjustment. But that's it wasn't too bad. That's good. I I always encourage people if it comes between work and family, I will much rather people choose their family. I'm not the guy that bleeds blue for the Air Force. <laughs> I believe in doing your job, doing it right. That's just work ethic. But if it starts to come down to you know, I don't spend time with my kids or people. A lot of married couples have a hard time just finding childcare for their kids, especially when they go overseas. 
because we'll have to keep the kids in CDCs for the most part. But especially during COVID, we realized real quick that if the CDC is closed, there's a lot of issues that start to happen. Trying to get people to mm-hmm. work in the first place. Like if their husband is TDY and it's just them and the kid trying to wait because we start work at about 5 a.m. in the morning. So mm-hmm. you got to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning. If you don't have nobody to drop off your kid to, even if the CDC was available, it doesn't open until about 6.30 in the morning. So you're going to be late anyway. And yeah. that causes issues. And I really feel for them. I'll tell people, pick your family every single time. More people are joining the Air Force and the military right now. I'm not saying you're a number and, you know, we don't need you. I'm saying I want you to be better for yourself than you will mm-hmm. be for the military. Cause if you're not good, then you're not going to be good for the military. That's just how it works. Every job oh, yeah, should man. have that ideal. Yeah. There's like, there's like a, there's like a motto, I guess for the Navy. It's like ship shipmate and then family. Right? Yeah. They have some so shit take, like that for the air force. Yeah. Too. It's I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like if I, like I would feel, I would feel better if they were like, you know, take care of your family first and worry about your shipmate and then worry about the fucking ship. But they're like, put the ship first, worry about your shipmate, and then take care of your family last. I'm like, no, nah, that's not okay. Yeah, and like like we <laughs> said earlier, it depends on the leaders. Some leaders would slide a little, this is what the motto is. Guys, see your family. <laughs> go, like, yeah. go home on yeah. leave. Enjoy your time off. I'm not going to have you come in for some briefing because, you know, somebody said something and they want me to tell you I could just send it in an email and get the same or just have your commanders do it or have your flight mm-hmm. chiefs do it. Some it, it really depends on the leadership, bro. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, but definitely benefiting the family for sure. Getting out helped you a lot. Oh, and yeah. Just figuring out how to... um operate like a normal person because a lot of military people we don't know how to slow down sometimes oh yeah man i have like work work like work ethic issues bro like i would like for my job now i kind of like last through jobs i work and i get them done and all these dudes that are that have never joined the military look at me like i'm fucking stupid because <laughs> essentially i'm in the union and the union like they give union breaks the union breaks are a real thing <laughs> These guys, they take these breaks whenever they want. They're all about getting hours and time, shit like that. Um, I I just work, man. And it took me a while to learn how to slow down and kind of take my time with work and whatnot. Stop trying to be so proactive with. Yeah, that's such a weird thing to think about. Cause like I my I was just having my I was talking to my mom about the outside, and I asked my mom what's a normal work week? Cause I've never actually known what a normal work week was before I worked at Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. and an amusement park. Neither one of them, I worked full time. She told me mm-hmm. full time was 40 hours a week. I said, mom, there has not been a single week in the last six to seven years. I've been in the military that I've worked just 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a sin- minimum. I would say maybe, 45 hours during COVID, of course, things kind of like got switched up a lot because we can't really be around each other that much. Yeah. But in general, when I was deployed, I was working three and one twelves. So I was working six days a week then of 
to a 12 to 14 hour shifts. So that was edging on 70, including the two extra hours to arm up and do other stuff. And I never, we don't have sick days either. First responders, because uh, I'm a first responder in the military, mm-hmm. we don't get holidays off. We don't get Christmas, Thanksgiving. You're lucky if you get your birthday off for the most part. Sometimes they'll, you know, throw you a bone. It's your birthday. Here's an EFD. Yeah. Depends on who your leadership is. But I don't expect a day off ever. I have, even when I've been like deathly sickly at work, not during COVID, but before, like I just, I just still went to work and I just sucked it up. I had to do what I had to do. I took a face full of ibuprofen, took some Claritin, went to work and just kind of like dragged ass, but I got the job done. Yeah. That's another problem I have too, is not being able to like, not being able to take off of work. Like I, like my job is pretty lenient on me taking off. Like I could take off, I could take a leave of absence and be fine and be able to come back. But because in the military, man, like going to medical, they have you do it on your days off. Out. They have you doing your days off, and then on top of that, if you go to medical, people start talking shit about you. <laughs> people, like, you know, everybody's like, hey, you know, this guy is going to medical to get checked out because he's trying to get off the boat or he's trying to get kicked out or trying to get medically separated or whatnot. Yeah, everybody that like, no, this, man, I'm, yeah, fuck I'm just... <laughs> Go to the medical. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, just like, Jesus Christ. So now I don't take off work whenever I need, like when I have appointments, I don't take off work. I try not to. I try to take off work when I need it, but it's hard for me to do. So I try to schedule things on the weekend. I haven't gone to a VA appointment because the VA is only open from Monday to Friday. And I I feel bad taking off work because I always feel like I'm going to fuck the next person over in my job when I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, that's so... So. That's such a weird conflict because I don't like too much downtime at work because I get bored easy. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather stay productive while I'm at work if I can. Some days you'll drag ass a little bit more than others, but if you're at work... I don't even get lunch breaks. My job does not have lunch breaks. If it's busy the entire day, you just fit food in where it fits. It's not going to be, you know, oh, you can sit down, be on your phone, eat your food comfortably. This is the designated time. That doesn't exist for security forces. You just work. And that's it. Even being on your phone at work is very highly scrutinized because it's an unprofessional look. And then you go into the personnel office everybody's on their phone mm-hmm. it is a lot of the politics in it and it's also a reason why i don't want to stick with active duty the same standards that i'm held to at my rank are not the same standards another person with my rank is held to in a different office mm-hmm. and i don't fuck with that that mm-hmm. irritates me so badly that <laughs> if one of my guys just you know leaves his and this is a big thing definitely never do this Leaves his gun in a vehicle because you're supposed to take your weapon everywhere. Even if the vehicle's locked, you got to take it everywhere with you. He gets in trouble and does all this other stuff. Meanwhile, somebody at finance could fuck 50 people's paychecks up because they forgot to do some, you know, one piece of paper, whatever they do in finance to mess up our pays frequently. Like, I've never heard of anybody being held accountable in other offices for messing up my personnel records or messing up paychecks. Right. 
but they have a, God forbid if you do a, something. They have a thing in the Navy called um, choose your rate, choose your fate, <laughs> basically. Basically what that says is if you choose your job, like I was a machinist mate, and we get worked pretty hard, and say personnel, for an example, these guys would come in the ship at like 7 or 8 o'clock, they would leave at noon, one o'clock every day. <laughs> they get paid the same. They do the same the amount of fucking less, same. less than the same, the same amount the of work. But um, you know, we would talk shit, and they'd be like, "Yo, choose your rate, choose your fate, dickhead." And I'm like, ah. "Yeah, it makes you want to punch him in the face." Like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like I, I understand the job that I'm in, and it doesn't really bug me as much anymore. But when you first join, it for sure bugs the shit out of you. Like, why is this such a problem that I'm on my phone, but this person at this... And you just have to... That's just a maturity thing. The younger guys have to grow out of stop looking at what other people's doing and just focus mm-hmm. on what applies to you. This is your job. This is how much you get paid. It sucks that it's not an equal thing from office to office, but that's just how it works. You're going to go to, even if you change jobs and go somewhere else, there's going to be somebody else that you're going to think has it easier than you do. And we're all going to get the same paycheck. Just do your thing and, you know, form your mind to be happy with it. If you're not happy with it, form your brain to be resilient with it. Because eventually your contract's going to end or you're going to have a window to get out of that job. Everybody has a window. But, um... Mm -hmm. On to something less military uh, <laughs> <laughs> affiliated. Uh, how was traveling? Ten, I guess when you were with the Navy, but overall, it doesn't have to be if you were going TDY. It could be you know leisure travel too. Uh, I you know I didn't really leisure travel too much. So when I was when I got deployed, my first well when I first got to my boat, we went on a thing called Rimpack. You ever watched uh, the movie Battleship yeah. with Rihanna? The the first like beginning like moments of that my ship was actually in that movie. Um, they were in they were at Rimpac. So basically, what it is is all the countries that are on the rim of the Pacific. That's why it's called Rimpac. They all meet up in Hawaii, and Hawaii is not a different country, obviously, but yeah, they all meet up in Hawaii, and we essentially just party all the fucking time. <laughs> And we do, they do like, they do like war games or whatnot, like simulation war games with the other boats, but fuck that, we just party. <laughs> um, and that was, I was, shit, 19 at that time, so it was really cool for me to meet people from different countries for the first time. Like, I met Chileans, uh, even like Canadians, we had Canadians aboard our boat, uh, Australian Navy came through, Chinese Navy came through. It was pretty cool, because we would also play sports like, we would have, like, team-regulated sports and kind of hang out with them. That's pretty cool. That was, like, kind of my first taste of being, like, traveling. Yeah, just encountering um, other cultures. Mm-hmm. And after that, I went on deployment. And deployment, we went, we traveled to the South China Sea. Uh, and then while we do that, we stopped at certain places. I went, we stopped in Hawaii. And then from Hawaii, we went to Guam. And I fucking hate Guam with a passion. <laughs> I said that the last show, and I'll say it again. Uh, and then from there, I went to Thailand, Japan, Jakarta, South Korea. There's somewhere else I went. 
Saipan. No, I didn't go to Saipan. We were supposed to go to the Philippines, but I think as we were going, there was a Marine who, like, killed, like, a tranny up there or some shit. Marines are kind of always that. doing something. <laughs> but, always fucking doing, it up for everybody. Always doing man. something. Fucking it up. Uh, and I think that may have been it for that deployment. But see how it works is, on our deployments, we work 24-7. So while we're out to sea, we're out to sea three weeks at a time. Uh, four weeks at the most. And that's pushing it. So when we pull into port, the first thing everybody wants to do Lose is their go out. And, minds. Yeah, everybody goes out and they drink and whatnot, which is cool. I, I do that. I've done that every port I've been yeah, to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I also took note that I'm probably not going to come back to these countries. So I would go out and get drunk the first time, first night or two. And then after that, I would go uh, take tours of the locations and just go sightseeing and shit. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, after that deployment, we uh, we came back. And then we did like little mini deployments here and there. Uh, I went to the Solomon Islands. I've never heard of that place, but it's a bunch of black people there. Hey, <laughs> everywhere. And then the last place I went to was New Zealand. And New Zealand was cool because we were the first American warship to be there in like 50 years or something like that. So it was pretty crazy because they were protesting the fuck out of us. <laughs> we pulled up, we'd pull up, man, there were people out there, signs and shit, news coverage, all that. That shit was wild. But even then, it was cool. I The best place I like was New Zealand. Like if I had to move to a different country, New Zealand would be the place that I would go. I've heard that a lot. Between there and Thailand, a lot of people say Thailand. Thailand's more. See, I look at Thailand as like Adult Disney World. <laughs> that's, <just me>. oh, that's <laughs> such a good, good example. There's like this whole thing where you could you could shoot a cow with a rocket launcher. The whole time I was in Thailand, I was trying to do that shit. <laughs> I was trying to. What? I find it. And it was only like 300 bucks. You know, you pay 300 bucks to shoot the fucking, <laughs> like you shoot a cow with a rocket launcher. <laughs> I got to pet tigers. That's cool. But I wanted to shoot a fucking cow. <laughs> tigers wasn't even fun because they, they like drugged the tigers <laughs> to fucking kingdom come. So they didn't even know if you were standing there or not. Oh my God. That is the funniest thing <laughs> Thailand, all the only thing I'm gonna say about Thailand, if you ever get the chance to go, oh bye. Go go watch a ping pong show. Man, that sounds I'm not gonna tell you. You know I'm not gonna go into detail about it. I'm just gonna say go watch it. You know, people have told me something similar about Amsterdam. When people say if you're gonna go to Amsterdam, go to a banana show. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I've been to Amsterdam a couple times. That is the one thing, and I figured out what a banana party is, but I'll leave that to the mystery of the listeners. You got, look, man, you got to at least do it once. Uh, I went to a ping pong show. I was like, yo, what? <laughs> People can do this? We'll talk, off, we'll talk <laughs> off air about what a ping pong show and what a banana show is, because I figured out what a banana show is. It's not exact. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm just gonna shut up because you can't even like kind of describe it without it even like coming off any type of way. But whatever. 
And other thing about Thailand, haggling. Any country, really, you can haggle. If you go, with Thailand, right, if you go to the Middle East, god damn. Damn. <laughs> Haggling's really fun. I've never, like, realized how much, how fun it was. I would go out with the intention of haggling people it's, for no fucking it, reason. It's like, and you fuck around, end up in McDonald's, Sean, haggle a fucking burger. <laughs> and they're like, it doesn't work like that in McDonald's. Dude, I almost got into a fight with a 12-year-old Thai boy. Because <laughs> over a fucking selfie stick, bro. So I, like... Yeah, everywhere sells <laughs> selfie sticks. Selfie sticks, man. It's like the thing in Asia, man. They uh, so this kid came up to me with a selfie stick, and I was actually looking for a selfie stick, <laughs> and he was like, "Hey, I'll sell you the selfie stick for like eight hundred baht or some shit like That's that." That's like what eight dollars. Less than that, dude. It's like five American. And I was like, "Nah, man. That's too high. I'll do it for five hundred baht." It's like three, Bruh, two or three. The audacity that we're our, the haggling we do is so petty because our money <laughs> is worth so much more. Than I know there's no reason, and it's kind of fucked up, but it's just so fun. But, and then he was like, "Okay, okay, okay, five hundred baht." And I was like, e- "You know what? The dude down the street, he said he'll do it for three hundred baht. So I don't know. I don't know." And he was like, "You know what? Three hundred baht." After a little back and forth exchange, she was like, all right, all right, 300. And then I told him, I was like, nah, you know what? I don't want it anymore. <laughs> and he got so pissed, bro. So pissed. He deserved to be pissed. Yeah, he kept walking up to me. He's like, 300 baht? And I was like, nah, man, I don't want it anymore. So I started walking around the city. Um, where was I? I was in Phuket, Phuket, Thailand. I was walking through the city. This kid was following me, bro. He's like, 300 baht. I at least walked like two miles when he was just following me and the kids started pushing me and shit. I'm like, yo, you need to chill out because this is not cool. I wasn't going to fight him because he was a kid, obviously. Oh, that would have been such an international incident. (laughs) It would have been an international incident, but I also would have died because all the street like vendors are connected in a way. So yeah, you beat up a kid. You fuck with one, you fuck with everybody. It's not a good idea to get in a fight. But the kid was following me the whole time, kept pushing me and shit. I was like, oh, man, I'm about to get my ass kicked by all these Thai people. Yeah, and plus they do they, they do kickboxing and shit over yeah, there. they punch you in the kidney, drop you like a rock. Mm-hmm. But he just kept following me, and it got to the point where he got tired of following me, so he <laughs> left. But that was interesting. Man, that is hilarious, man. That is hilarious. Yeah, I, I enjoy traveling though. I wanna I wanna continue to travel. I wanna take my kids and travel abroad. Like I wanna one of these times I'm thinking when they're in middle school, I would love to get a job abroad for a couple years. That would be cool. I would say it yeah. would definitely have to be somewhere in the before high school. Yeah. Yeah, because high school is when it matters, but middle school, eh, you could kind of just do your thing. Yeah, I just feel I just feel like they'll have a better understanding of how the world works if they travel. Yeah, Americans don't because, know shit. Yeah, well, Americans don't know shit, and then coming from Clayton County, bro. Oh, we really don't know shit. We didn't know shit, and I found out real quick that the shit that was cool where we grew up is not cool anywhere else. No. I, it's funny when I go home and I see the same people who have never left, never left Clayton County. Like, they'll go to Atlanta every now and then, but never left Clayton County doing the same shit. 
and they kind of limit themselves to just doing that. There's so like, much. There's so more. much. There's so much in the world, man. Yeah, man. Like, I'm like just just to relate with that. I'm so happy that I'm going to college after I've done my European tour because I have nothing else to do. I have nothing else to care to do. There's no more wild in me anymore. Like, I'm good, bro. Like, mm-hmm. between I've been to 20 plus countries. Eventually, I'm going to do a podcast about traveling because it's not hard to travel. It's not expensive to travel. Getting your passport mm-hmm. only costs about $135. All you need is mm-hmm. your birth certificate, your social security card, and a driver's license. Go to a post office, get it. As long as you're not a felon, you're going to get it. If you are a felon, you couldn't vote anyway. So there's a lot of stuff you have to like really worry about. <laughs> but, bro, like, between going, I've been to Amsterdam a couple times, Paris, Spain multiple times, different places in Spain. I've been to Greece, mm. Budapest. I even went to Africa. I went to Morocco. I went to Dubai. Dubai was crazy. You could do a lot of, you can't do a lot of crazy, crazy stuff in Dubai, but the stuff you can do, like you can get an Uber helicopter in Dubai. Why? You can get an Uber helicopter in New York. Yeah, it has to be like the major cities. Honestly, I'm kind of terrified of helicopters at this point. You know, rest in peace to Mamba. I'm um, not messing with them anymore. I'm terrified of helicopters. I, those are one of the things that if it fails, there is nothing you can do. And I don't like that. That is, yes, sir. I do not agree with, you know, if things go wrong, there is no fail safe. We're just, hopefully, they're somewhere soft to land. But mm-hmm. first time I've ever rode a helicopter was in New Zealand. Um, when we went to New Zealand, they had the earthquake there. We did search and rescue shit there. And I don't know, like, if launching a helicopter on dry land is sketchy, try doing that shit in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> When the boat's rocking and shit, bro, I get nauseous. It's not, it's, it's not a good look. Yeah, no, I, I can't rock with hell. I'll jump out of plane before I get on a helicopter. It's a lot, but all the stuff that I got to do, and in England, luckily, the way our leadership um, does our leave location or like what area you're allowed to go in uh, on your days off, it's just Europe. All of Europe is your playground. Pretty much. You don't have to take leave to go anywhere. So all the places that are posed to me, go except if you leave the country. So when I went to Dubai and when I went to Morocco, I had to take actual leave for that. But the rest of the time, every mm. country I went to, I didn't take leave. As soon as they let us do stuff again, I plan on going to, I think the cheapest flight right now, because I've been looking, is to Milan. I've been to Italy a couple of times. You can go to Milan for $20 right now. And that's something else. It is nice. incredibly cheap to do anything. Yeah. Instead of taking a three-day and going to Atlanta, I take a three-day and go to Milan or go to Rome or mm-hmm. go to Amsterdam or yeah. do all this other stuff. And it's cheap to stay there. There's And it's all touristy stuff. So you can either go do the tourist stuff or if you go to France, there's a real small like nuggets that nobody really knows about. Like In France, there's a place called Cognac where cognac comes from there's mm-hmm. the there's a hennessy well it's, it's a multiple it's a bunch of different liquors but it's a hennessy factory that's there that you can go and do a 20 dollar tour and do a taste testing of dom perry on different types of hennessy different types of like uh con- just about any cognac you could think of yeah you can go to nice you can go to montenegro like all that stuff 
is in one country. You can go snowboarding if you go a little bit further to a different area. Amsterdam is really in between Germany and Belgium. So if you want to go to three countries in one weekend, you just drive. You hit the Autobahn for Germany, hit Amsterdam for the Netherlands, and go to Belgium for Brussels. All places are lit. Yeah. That's what I would do, too, when I I traveled or whatnot. I would go to the most unknown, like, spots or spots that people do not look at. Like, New Zealand, I went to the Hobbit, like, the town of Hobbiton. Yeah. It's just where they shot the Lord of the Rings at. Mm -hmm. Um, That was kind of well-known, but that's neither here nor there. That was pretty dope. In South Korea, I went, I climbed the mountain in South Korea just wild because it was like 3,000 steps or some stupid shit like that and then I would go and I would food also like food if you want to get to know a culture so well like taste the food because in South Korea you wouldn't think but they have the best fried chicken I heard ever. that I heard they have the best fried chicken and I found this spot that was in the cut like not advertised or anything like that like you had to take like a secret elevator to get up to this motherfucker <laughs> i don't even know the name of it but i could tell you where to, how to get there if we go to <laughs> south korea and uh they had some fried chicken out of shit <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you but i don't even know what was the be- place with the best food that i went to yo actually when i was in uh morocco so if you go to morocco i was in marrakesh when i went um, we had Airbnb is your friend, by the way. If you go anywhere, Airbnb is your friend. If you want to do shit, Airbnb. Mm-hmm. If you want to stay somewhere, Airbnb. Most of the chips that are on Airbnb, a, well, a lot of them are going to have the tour guide come pick you up at whatever location you're at. So you don't even have to get a yes. taxi. A lot of the, I, I really need to do a podcast on just like the logistics of traveling because it's not hard. Mm-hmm. You maybe need three apps and you can do whatever you want. But yeah. Uh, when I was in Morocco, uh, it was me, my friend, and his wife, and we stayed in this Riyadh, which is their like traditional houses. But it was inside. Uh, it was inside the big plaza area. I can't think of the name. And I we showed up, and uh, the driver had took us into the area. It's a big ass area. Got to the house, and there was this lady cooking inside. I was like, "Yo, who is that?" And he was like, oh, that's your maid. I was like, what? I get a maid? I was like, how the fuck? <laughs> and yo, the food she cooked was bomb. It is this 100% authentic Marrakesh Moroccan. She did not speak that much English. I actually spoke better French to her than she understood English. Like, they speak a lot of French in Morocco, by the way. If you go, French and Arabic and mm-hmm. Berber, which is their native language that you're not going to understand. But her food was bomb like it was better than all the food that we ate at the restaurants around yeah. us and she cooked breakfast lunch and dinner for us every single day we were there and she made our beds cleaned everything we never had to do the dishes nice. we had like a little mini pool inside the house so we could just like chill when it was hot as hell outside we just and it was also kind of like um the roof uh it was like an open area roof so if mm-hmm. you were outside of your room, if that we had like a tarp over it, but it was a clear tarp that you could just, you know, roll back and let some air in or you could just close it. But it gets real humid if you do that. Yeah. 
you could just chill in the pool when you do there. There's a upstairs terrace that is huge, bro. It was, it had like five bedrooms, four in suites. I think, honestly, I think there was six bathrooms. There was more bathrooms than there were beds. Like full shower bathrooms, and it was all nice. everything was like king. There was nothing smaller than a queen size bed in that place. <laughs> and we said, nice. uh, since because uh, a bunch of people dropped off, and me and my boy got there, we said we're gonna shit in a different toilet every day because we can. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling is dope. I like traveling, man. You you experience a lot of things that you just you just can't get. You will not in get in America. Like America is a cool country. Like don't get me wrong. There's there's like you can do a lot in America, but you can experience a lot more elsewhere. Yeah, there's the structure of America doesn't let a lot of stuff happen. Mm-hmm. But for instance, if you just go to Amsterdam and you go down, and I didn't really do too much down the strip, but if you go to the um, red light district, there's a lot of stuff that you would think it's crazy because every one of these like celebrities that I see get in trouble for like soliciting prostitution, just go mm-hmm. to Amsterdam. It's way yeah. cheaper. I I hear some of the I see some of the news articles of the prices people are charging. And it's like. Twelve to fifteen hundred dollars for a night. I'm just like, what the bro? Just buy a plane ticket, go to the red light district, or just walk down. You don't even just have walk, to. Yeah. You don't have to know what you're doing at all. Just walk down. You'll go figure it out. Go to New Zealand, dude. Brothels are legal in New Zealand. Yeah, that's yeah. something else. The red light district just ain't Amsterdam. That's a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit. If you're in San Diego, go to Tijuana. <laughs> it's, it's right there. Yeah, I'm. But, I'm not saying that I did it. I don't believe in paying for sex. That wasn't really one of my yeah, things. I I still enjoy, you know, the thrill, the chase kind of thing. But it for it, it's just a lot of freedom outside. Yeah, outside of America. But I wouldn't live in most of these countries because. Where there's lack of freedom somewhere, you realize why there's a structure in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times uh, it makes you appreciate what you got. Uh, America is not a, not a perfect country in any way, shape, or form, but better than most. It's structured enough that the people can change it. A lot of places don't have that structure. You could be an immigrant freely in some countries, but there's a reason why every American just doesn't jump on a boat. And run straight to these countries. A lot of stuff that you took for granted, which is hard to hear or understand as an American, of healthcare, for instance. It isn't even about if healthcare is free, it's just the quality of healthcare in the first place. Like mm-hmm. in Morocco, there's a lot of people that walk around with polio. All the stuff that you see on TV is the prettier part. Once you're yeah. actually in it, you see the little kids that are, you know, just kind of like, kind of you know kid childish doing their thing trying to sell you different things and then you realize they're actually trying to make an income for their family you kind of understand the logistics but at the same time feeling bad for them doesn't help anything it's just their it's their culture every country has their own culture some women don't work as much in other cultures other women Mm -hmm. are bosses in their culture yeah this depends on you you really grow an appreciation for the entire world once you travel and even if you realize you, you realize how small it is too 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you relate with other people. Mm-hmm. And well, that and like you you would think that now granted it's it's thousands of miles away, uh, but you would think that it takes forever to yeah. get somewhere, but it doesn't. It's about eight hours most of the time. Mm-hmm. That's flying. Like, dude, I traveled to all these countries on fucking boat. <laughs> <laughs> but it would take us, they say it would take us three days to get to Hawaii, and then from Hawaii to Guam, it would take us like four days to five days. And then from there, it was just like a four or five day round trip, you know, each time like a, on a boat. Yeah, work week can get you around the world mm-hmm. on a boat. I suggest if you have not traveled and traveling something you want to do, man, do it at least once. Don't just go life. to the Caribbean and call that traveling. You really got to get out of Yeah, go there. elsewhere. That Caribbean and if, if you got to pull out a loan or something for it, I feel like that is like that is a debt that I would like be okay with having. Yeah, Pulling people die with loan. student loan debts. If you're if you're going to die with something, some type of debt or just credit. Honestly, if you just get a credit card and mm-hmm. just pay for a trip and just pay it off slowly over time. Or I mean just save do it smartly, but save your fucking money. Just save like a hundred dollars every two weeks. And you'll be able to pay for an all inclusive trip by the end of the year. Yeah. Or just do your research, man, because you can get pretty good flights far enough out for cheap. Yeah, as long as your uh uh your schedule is flexible enough that you could plan that far ahead. For sure. Like, I, I could find a trip from New York to London for $300. I believe it. That's all. It just depends on when you're able to do it. If you click on the website and you just say, I want to travel in this month, it'll tell you what days total out to be the cheapest days. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to stay for like 12 days. But you're going to be paying incredibly cheap prices to travel the world and... The experience yeah. itself, once you get to Europe, getting around is not an issue anymore. From If somebody want to do like a London trip, I would say if you want to do a line of places to go that isn't just London, go from London to Paris, Paris to Montenegro, Montenegro to Switzerland. All those yeah, are close. All those are driving trips. You can get in a car and do all of that. You don't even have to get on another plane to go through all those countries. Even though the UK is an island, there's a ferry that'll take you over to the port of Dover, and mm-hmm. you do everything. It, it's I really need to. I'm not gonna go too 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 deep into the traveling bag, but um, yeah, I was just saying like right now I can get a ticket to Paris next month for seven hundred bucks. So I could probably find you something way cheaper than that. Wait, you're in yeah. California, right? Uh, I'm in. I fly out of Detroit. I'm in Ohio. I fly out of Detroit. I'm pretty sure if you're cool with commuting to a more East Coast um, airport, mm-hmm. you could get a flight for incredibly, ridiculously cheap. Yeah. The major ports are like Jersey, Atlanta, and New York. If you could, or Miami, if you could find your way to any four of those ports, getting anywhere in the world is cake. And if you're going. Yeah on the Pacific side to Asia, go to California or Washington. Mm-hmm. Those are the five ports that the five cities you need to go to. If you want to do anything with traveling to these other places. Right. Or six, I think, I think my math is wrong. But 
I would say that ties up for this episode. I appreciate you for coming on for another one. We'll probably we'll probably get one put together for a traveling one and set up a bunch of questions for people. Mm -hmm. I'll probably reach out to some people, um, see what things that they want to know about when it comes to traveling. Biggest thing is just stay free. Like, don't think you're too busy to do it. Yeah. Um, that's what anything too, man. Just stay free. Keep yourself free, uh, mentally, physically. For sure, guys. All that shit. Sound mind, sound body. You gotta keep it all online. You'll be straight. And if you're in the military, man, you'll be all right. Takes time. <laughs> yeah. Don't believe you're the only person going through something. Things are gonna be rough. And if things are going on, uh, rest in peace to uh, Golan for the army. Oh man, Vanessa. Yeah, man. but yeah, yeah. Again, uh, if I'm pronouncing the name wrong, I apologize. But if something is going on, find somebody that you trust enough. Even if the system fails you, like it did at Fort Hood, please, See, please find somebody. That's I, that's a whole different topic to go into. But women are getting fucked in the military. Um, in all branches, man, all over. Yeah. So, uh, shit. Don't even just just don't be afraid. For sure, that's everybody. Like it. Don't let your don't let the threat of your career. Don't let other people that are telling you, oh, this isn't that serious. Because that's I feel like that's the first thing. That's the first domino that falls for everything to go wrong. Because if people tell you it's not that serious. I try to make an effort to listen to everything. I'll t- I don't mm-hmm. care how dumb it might be, how it may be perceived. I'm going to take everything as serious as it possibly could be. Mm-hmm. So if something's mm-hmm. happening, please, please. If And I, I know it's hard because a lot of leaders w- will fail in situations such as Vanessa's and it's sickening as hell. Even if you tell your family, Tell your family, even if you got to leave the military and get an outside lawyer involved, I know you can't sue a military. And I'm, I know this is against everything that the military tells me to say, but if it's a Vanessa type of situation that's going on mm-hmm. and you think some shit like that's about to happen, fuck the rules. 100% yeah, fuck the rules. If it's your life yeah. on the line with this shit, fuck that shit, man. Fuck the this- rules. The other thing is, man, know know your resources in your area. For sure. Um, a lot of people don't know that they have. What do you guys call you? Like, because we have commands, right? Yeah, we have commands like the overarching command. Like, there's yeah. tiers. Like, you have your commander, and then there's the wing, and then the group or group. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Like, you can step outside of your command and get help. Yeah. Like, certain bases. You can go above dedic- the base. Mm-hmm. Bases have dedicated legal teams that aren't even attached to the base, so they don't mm-hmm. care who they throw under the bus. It's not even thrown under the bus; they're made for that reason. Yeah, basically, man, just fuck what everybody else thinks, man. Fuck them. Yeah, like if your command fails you, and if it's looked as bad, first of all, if you're in that situation, fuck what other people think. If this is 100% happening to you, or if you think it's gonna go that way, do what you have to do. Be selfish. Let people think what they're going to think. And when I say fuck the rules, I'm not saying, you know, if a little bit of something happens, go out the way. Mm-hmm. But 
do what you got to do to survive. Yeah. Do what you got to, because that's, that's um, between the suicide rate and between shit like this happening. I'll, I'll tell everybody, so I've helped some people get out of the military because it was 100% just making them depressed. And the military isn't for everybody. It's not a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. I, I would sit them down and I would tell them, if this is between your mental sanity and you just trying to make your family proud or you trying to be an example for this, fuck this job. Fuck it. I'll I'll show you to the door of the people to get out. And I was like, I'm not saying this because I don't think you could do the job. I'm doing this because it could possibly cost you your life. And I'm kind of tired of seeing that shit. Mm-hmm. Like the, the military is going to keep being the military. You being here, whether in the military or outside, as my friend and as somebody I give a fuck about, mm-hmm. that's my number one priority. So yeah. if you are in a situation like this, if any of my friends are in a situation like this and they just don't know who to call to, if you're my friend, you know how much of a loudmouth I am. I will scream to the eagles in the sky. For I don't care who I need to go above. If one level fails... That's why the chain of command exists. I'll keep going above the chain of command until somebody gives me an answer. Right. And if answers don't start to come and this person starts to get put into a corner, I'll make some noise about it. Mm-hmm. And I encourage everybody, look out for your wingman. Look out for your shipmates. Look out for you know your fellow soldiers, your fellow Marines, all that. Because a life is worth a lot more than this job. Mm-hmm. Even if the politicians don't, or the higher ups, whoever makes decisions such as Fort Hood, even if they just see you as a number and it's easier to write you off as an AWOL instead of actually fucking looking for you, fuck them. Yeah. Put your life first, put your mental sanity first, and get the help you need because you're a lot more useful here than you are in the grave. Mm-hmm. And. I think that's a good way to cap off our military talk for all of our guys. Um, appreciate everybody for listening. Appreciate you for yeah. jumping on the pod. No problem. And we are out. This is what it sound like when we roll and our eyes still open. All these people, all these drugs that could fit the ocean. They say they can't, they say they can't tell me what they smoking. Making waves, making waves, making real commotion. This is what it sound like when we rollin' our eyes still open.